Hello and welcome to my podcast, Burning in Water. Um, I am here today with the lovely Glyn. Hi. Um, what was that sound? Hi. <laughs> Hi. Um, to start with, would you mind introducing yourself, please? Oh, yes, sure thing. I am a notorious show off. And goddamn, I'll say it, LGBTQ plus icon. Yeah. And Fussel. I'm owning that status. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, can you tell us a little bit about kind of what what it is that you're doing at the moment? Kind of like the you've got your hands in a lot of I'm pie hands, Mr. I'm the camp pie hand man. Um oh gosh. I'm always doing a million different things. A million creative endeavours. Mm-hmm. Um I love that. And it goes from the shift goes on to many different things. At the moment, the focus is getting the events that I have created, co-created, mm-hmm. um, back up and happening yeah. post-pandemic. So that's mighty hoopla. Big moments. Massive moments. You know, just casual 30,000 queer people on a site that doesn't have any infrastructure. So that's happening. And then Sink the Pink, obviously clubbing is being like crippled and paralyzed and yeah. we are coming back and we are coming back with vengeance and we're doing a big, we're being a tour and doing a big tour in November exciting which is almost sold out Woo! so yeah that's the focus right now I mean there's a load of other things but those are of Paramount's priority yeah 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 so you've got You've kind of been involved heavily in creating these amazing, I said creating with a Q there, which is kind of yeah, the ideal, yeah, creating. Yeah. Um, creating these really amazing queer spaces. Um, yeah. And you kind of develop those and, and you, you've built those up. Well, yeah, I mean, Sing the Pink's 15 years next year. Wow. And that just started very small. Me and my best friend, there was no business plan. There was, it was none of that. Like, we really were not thinking about that. It started because we needed it. Mm. Um, it started as a reaction to something that was not happening and a frustration and a desire. And I think that's where the best, um, most authentic creative choices come from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From, you know, from your instincts and from your heart rather than your head and rather than because... Uh, you're trying to achieve sort of monetary success or success or success wasn't really even an op like we weren't even considering that what mm-hmm. it, what was success success was we create this space which allows us to be completely ourselves, which we're not yet mm-hmm. and so we did that and um we opened up a pandora's box for lots of other people to do the same and then that became the thing. Yeah, renowned. And then, yeah, you know, don't forget, first thing, Pink, was 37 people came. Nice. It was, and most of those were my family. It was so <laughs> small. That. And there was no, really, uh, Facebook had just started. God, mm. I sound old. <laughs> we were just, we were in the kind of haze of MySpace. We'd just come off MySpace. And so, now they're, they're saying Facebook is done. It was really like grassroots, like, in its truest sense of the word. And it was promoting 101. It was going out and meeting people. Mm. Like, to be a promoter back then, what people don't realise is that you couldn't just put a marketing spend on a social post. Like, that was not... That didn't exist. Mm. You had to physically go out and meet people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like a cult leader. (laughs) You're going out and recruiting all your people. (laughs) Please come follow me. (laughs) And so you have to be everywhere. And you have to... To be everywhere, you have to be completely yourself. Mm -hmm. To be... So it took a while, really... Because we, because at the beginning with Sync the we were just still finding who we were. Mm-hmm. Once we found out who we were, we could then go out and say, "Look, this is this is it. This is what this night is about. This is what we're doing here." And it and it just it got massive. Really, all of a sudden, we went from having sort of fifty people in a room to a thousand people in a room. And before we knew it, we'd sold out Brixton Academy. Mm. And then once you have that same energy and that same um, that same, it's not even a drive. Once you realize that that is possible and that, that being anything, mm-hmm. as long as you trust that what you're doing is absolutely what is in your gut, 
then you just keep going after those things. Yeah, and, you st- and, and when you've come from nothing, like there's no- nothing to fear. Like I, don't, I, I think when you've got everything to lose, fear is a very different... You experience fear in a different way than how I experience fear. I come from like a... I don't have anything. I still, still don't. But like, you know, I have great shoes. I have amazing shoes. <laughs> and great hats. Born and must show my shoe collection. <laughs> but I... Because I didn't come from anything, like fear is something that you almost run into because, well... What I've got nothing to lose. So mm. when you're fearful of losing the house, losing the family, like I don't have anything to lose. Yeah, so yeah, I'm going to yeah, run yeah. face on. So in a weird way, like it's kind of quite integral that to sink the pink and, and my hoopless success is that I think we all just <laughs> go, right, this is going to work and we're going to run into it. And we don't have an idea of what that looks like at the end, but we just run into our joy. Mm. And, and the same, you know, Mighty Hoopla this year, it's, we've done 30,000 tickets. It's big. It's really big. So exciting. But I still don't get consumed by the scale because I think as long as the integrity is there, then that's what you should be chasing. Mm-hmm. I think it's the same with any artistry. Same with you, like with making music. It's like, are your intentions the same when you're performing in the Moth Club compared to when you're doing the O2. And if they're not, then you probably should stop it. And take a moment. You've got to always check in with, why did I start this? What is my drive? What is the thing that pushes this forward? Mm -hmm. And that changes a lot of time, but I think you have to still keep a grip on that line of, of, of who you are, what makes you tick, what is your motivation, Mm. what you're providing, and, and does it have worth? That's a really long answer to tell you. About, <laughs> that was but, an amazing answer. But that's, that's I love every second of that answer. Good. Well, there you go. Have um, it. Have it. It's um, yours. Yeah, and I mean, like the overarching kind of like theme that you had there is like joy, and I think that's such an important word because it's true. At those events, in those spaces, the the ambition came from joy, yeah. and I guess that's something that I would ask you next. Is like you talked a lot about the progression. Yeah. What was the first? idea why did you want to set that up well i'll tell you what's interesting not i'm not gonna answer your question (laughs) fear and joy are so linked aren't they why is it that people are so scared to to chase their joy Mm -hmm. it's like the it's the thing that people are the most scared of Mm -hmm. because when you break it down on a really practical level like of course i'm going to chase my joy i want to be happy i want to have everything that i deserve Mm -hmm. which is joy but people are so scared of it. It's such yeah. a weird... If you flip that switch, it's a really interesting thing because all of a sudden you go, no, 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 of course, I want to be... I want to... I'm someone that genuinely... I like to say that if I don't feel joy, I'm chasing joy every day. Mm-hmm. That could be the most simple thing. Like, I'm going to look... I don't know, take a slightly different route on the same route to work yeah, because yeah, yeah. I might see something different that will make me feel happy or connect me with a memory that's really lovely but I'm always going after it Mm -hmm. and running into it back to your question what was the question the question was (laughs) but but I agree waffle waffle I was talking to to somebody about that last night funnily enough finding joy in different pockets whereas like before I feel like I used to chase joy in the big things and actually I feel like I've learned to find joy in the small things like you said going a different route to work, and I think that's a really, really nice thing to, to point out because it is yeah. joy is only measurable by yourself. Exactly, and we make our joy pinned on. We we almost we we especially right now in society, like there's a real conditioning that other people determine what joy looks like for you, mm-hmm. whether it be on social media or whether in your career. That's it's absolute myth. It's one of the biggest myths. You're the only person that is in control of your joy. Mm. And it sounds all Oprah Winfrey and Dr. Phil, but it's really basic stuff. Dr. It's, Glenn. It's, yeah, have it here. <laughs> um, I have a PhD in nothing. <laughs> but <laughs> I am someone me. that wants to feel my best, my optimum. I want to I always elevate and feel joy. I want to give other people joy. And that's t- truly terrifying at times mm. to do it because sometimes it means that you have to make big strides and, and you have to be honest mm. to yourself. Hardest thing ever. That's, that's the thing that makes people scared, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, but I think once you decide to do that, you can never, I find it, but I don't think I would ever switch back. I don't want to be miserable. No. I don't want to be fearful. I don't want to be upset. I don't want to be sad. You don't give me miserable vibes in the slightest. No. I, look, I get down. I have bad days. 
but I'm still chasing my joy mm. all, all the time. If you give up on that, you give up on life, I think. Exactly. Yeah. Look at that avocado, Vaughn. Joy. <laughs> What's not joy is that it says ripe. And that's a lie. It's bloody well not. <laughs> Lies are not joy. Yeah, exactly. Lies are not joy. <laughs> Truth is what joy. What was the question? The I, question I love a tangent. I love a tangent yeah. is joy. <laughs> <laughs> um, the question was, I mean, the inspiration for for Sing the Pink. Like, uh, it's was, been a million different things, actually. Was joy a big factor in that? Well, the inspiration from the get-go was to feel inspired. Mm-hmm. On a personal level, I think I had been doing everything that I thought I was supposed to do, working in jobs. And I was living a version of myself that wasn't absolutely true to who I was. And mm. then I just got to a point where I just could not do that anymore. I, you know, when you get to the lowest ebb and you think, this is not living, I'm existing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then all you need is that one person that says, we can do it. And that was Amy, my best friend, who I started seeing the pink with. And she was feeling in a similar way different stuff but similar and I think we both at that point we just needed to feel inspired and creative and we wanted to take risks and we wanted to be silly and we wanted to be playful Mm -hmm. right because that's the other thing is you move to London thinking oh the streets are paved with gold and like there's very little time for play really because Mm -hmm. you're working all the time just to pay your rent yeah we wanted to reconnect with all of that stuff and so we did that but then the inspiration over the years is for me but just for myself it's constantly changed i've been inspired by those around me to do really interesting things and then there's been social things that have happened around gender and trans people within our community that have inspired me there's been, um, I've been inspired by the scale of the things and the projects we've been doing. I've been inspired by the opportunities. You know, we've performed on Times Square with Melanie C, dressed as Spice Girls. Like, we've done insane things. I think the thing is, is to, to constantly be inspired. Mm. You've got to just be, am I inspired? If not, why the fuck am I doing this? Yeah, like, inspiration. You've got to, yeah, I think that's it. Chase the inspiration. And, and you have to, again, you have to keep checking and going, Ah, uh, I'm not inspired because you can't expect if you've been doing something for 15 years to still be inspired by the same things. I'm now 41. When I started thinking I was 28, mm. do that math. That might be wrong, but I was young <laughs> and I was in a different place in my life. And I don't want to party for four days straight now. I don't want to. I don't. You know. I don't even really perform on stage. Put on the wigs and all that stuff. I used to love, I used to live for that. I didn't love it, I lived for it. Mm -hmm. It was so exciting to me. So all of a sudden you have to go, well, if I'm not doing that, what am I inspired by? Mm -hmm. What, why am I doing this? So I think when you do something for a long time and you want to keep creative and keep inspired, you've got to be very malleable and you've got to not just think about yourself. You've got to kind of, step away from your ego and go, I can also be inspired by other people. <laughs> this is not a one-man island, yeah. you know. So, yeah, but it's I, changed. It's changed a lot. Yeah, I think that's a really important thing, though, because even though, like you say, the inspiration can come from us and, like, finding our own inspiration, Sink the Pink inspired a lot of people. Right. And it created a queer space when queer spaces are, like, limited and are always... Completely. Like, flexing and then contracting and then... And I, you know, I'm very, I'm not very nostalgic person because I'm always thinking ahead until the pandemic, which forced me into this place where I had to really reflect. We didn't have to, but I wanted to reflect and look at what, I was going to say it, but I and several others have achieved. And mm-hmm. I'm so proud, so proud that you we are part of the cultural landscape of not only Queer London, but London and, and UK. Mm. And we have given people so many things memories relationships um employment you know there's all this stuff and there's not i can't really think of another club night that's been going for 15 years that still connects on that level with people because i don't really see us as a club night anymore mm-hmm. we're a space we're an event we're like a it, we're a we're a large-scale event for the community yeah, like yeah. a bar mitzvah would be you could say <laughs> or you know it really is and it's um people come to sing the pink even if they don't like pop music or drag now it's they come together because it's 
that coming together yeah, exactly. on that scale is kind of something quite marvelous. And um, yeah, and when it stops being that, it will stop existing. But mm. and I, you know, five years in, I, I was, I was done. I remember after about five, I was like, I can't do this anymore. I'm over it. Yeah. Six years in, over it. Seven years in. <laughs> At the end of every year, but mainly because I was in the eye of the storm and I was exhausted. And then I kept thinking to myself, surely this can't go on and on. And yet here we are. <laughs> here we are. So how did it feel? Obviously, last year was hard. Yeah, it's horrendous. How did it? How did you adapt? How did you feel about having that I, space taken away? I, I became quite selfless about it actually because I. How do I put this? I, I think had this happened about five years ago when I was still on stage, I would have just been thinking about myself. Mm. I'd have just been going, oh, you know, no one's seeing me. Where are my gigs? But the fact that in the last sort of three, four years, I'm now very much steering the ship but I'm not you know the master of the ship mm -hmm. uh, it became I I'm take my responsibility very seriously and I, I just felt it's I felt so bad and sad and sometimes I felt the weight of responsibility that there was no work for these people and you know creative people drag queens especially they're too you know two missed rent payments away from being evicted, yeah. which essentially is like nine drag branches, <laughs> if you're going to measure it. So when all of a sudden there's no gigs, what do they do? Like, well, what's gonna, what are you supposed to do? And, and when you're someone that is part of that for them and you give them work and you're, you, you, you're kind of... Yeah, it was really tough, really tough. But, and I took it really tough, actually, I'm someone that doesn't get down that much, but mm. uh, for a while I was really down because I, uh, well, I, I'm never defeated. But at one point I was like, oh my God, I think, what if I'm defeated? What if this is it? What if we don't come back? What if I have to go and do something else? Mm. Which I'd never considered before. Yeah, like when they said retrain. I just never considered that because I think once all of a sudden you, you, you've allowed yourself to be and exist in your truest form, the, the, the like, Going back, essentially in the closet of not doing that is is horrendous. Yeah. Um, Did you find solace in those moments? I like... went to therapy, huh? No, <laughs> no, not just that. I did loads, of, loads of things. Amen to therapy. Oh my god, never been into it. You know, it's, it's a new thing for me, mm. and it's, it's something that I don't live by regrets. But why did I not do it sooner? Yeah, it's it's so good. But also, the good thing for me was that I have, for many years, I've always done that thing where it's very London, this is, where I go, um, oh, I'm so busy. <laughs> like, it's not the busy Olympics, you yeah. know what I mean? We're all busy. Yeah. But I would make excuses not to hang out with people because I was tired or because it forced me to reconnect with the people that I really love yeah. that actually were there right at the beginning of Sink the Pink. So that's been amazing. And my family, you know what? It's, isn't it the weirdest turn of events that when I'm not able to see my family, I, albeit on Zoom or FaceTime, I see them more than I've ever seen them before. Yeah, I found I found it similar actually. And my boyfriend and my dog. My boyfriend and my dog. Honest, there's no coincidence that my boyfriend and you know he's a caregiver. That's what my therapist always says. <laughs> she says you have a very porous personality, and you take on everyone and everything and and the world's problems. And there's no coincidence that you found a. a caregiver a nurse to look after you like I thought it was just because he had a big dick <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say that but like you know I'm like it's just because he's hot right but actually it completely is there's no coincidence and so we found and I think also there's a lot of um, within his life you know a lot he's worked in um, intensive care units so essentially people are dying around him and then he comes home and I'm the sort of human gay emoji <laughs> so I think we've given each other a lot of solace through it mm. I do feel though for like I've got a lot of queens a lot of queen friends around me that are just on their own yeah you know don't drag queens and relationships is I know firsthand about that it doesn't go hand in hand um for some annoying reason mm. and so that yeah I've just tried to be there for my friends really and as much as I can be but also be there for myself.
Yeah. It's been shit, right? As an artist. It's it been, has been shit. Because yeah. you have to stay inspired, you have to stay creative, but there's times, I don't know about you, where I don't have anything. Yeah. It's like, what am I inspired by? I can't even be inspired by the norm. Things that inspire me always, if I get into nature or if I travel, I'm inspired, right? Yeah. I'm, so that being taken away, what do you do? I'm walking the dog in the same place every day. Yeah. I think it was, like, I mean, going back to what we said, it's joy. Yeah. Like, the joy that I, I found, like you say, I reconnected with those people and it was like, okay, for me, like, nature and travel gives me inspiration yeah. and, like, being there. But actually, I was like, can I find that inspiration in the things that I, I didn't find joy in before because I never had time. I did. Sometimes. Not all the time. <laughs> but sometimes I did. Yeah. And I think I was doing a lot of backtracking. I was doing a lot of like, I hadn't written about this yet. And Well, do you know the, what... I find creativity so fascinating because yeah. it's such an individualistic um, journey, right? Mm. It's completely... It's something you, you know, you can maybe teach someone to tap into it, but you can't teach someone how to navigate it because every single person's creative journey is completely unique. Mm -hmm. And that's why I think when someone, you go and teach like creative writing, it's like, just teach them. You can teach them writing, cool. But you have to find the things that get you there. So for me, when you, and again, that's about tapping into who you truly are and like just running into it, whether you know what you're doing or not. Mm. You know, I've never had any music training, but I've always written music. I've always been really, it's just something that I didn't even know it was music at mm. the beginning when I was younger. It would always just like be poems or I'd come up with melodies and I'd like, and then the amazing iPhone appeared and you can voice note everything yeah, yeah, yeah. and then all of a sudden you start, I don't know about you, but like I start forming just bits and songs and yeah. like, so that for me is something I've always done. Through the pandemic, I stopped writing music mm. and I've had periods like that in my life where I'm just not, that's not the outlet for my creativity mm. and I realised that's because I was still I'm like, it's because I'm in one spot. Yeah, I write, flows, I yeah. can, if I can go like, I remember going on a, a trip to New Zealand, three weeks. I came back. I wrote about ten songs. Yeah, because like at the time, I was inspired. Like, there's you have to find the things that feed mm. the channels of your creativity, and it won't be the same. For and they're always different. Mm. So the thing for me through pandemic was writing, but writing introspectively, where I could actually like. Do, so writing um, like TV ideas and stuff like that based on my life mm -hmm. or, you know, just writing things that I'm, have happened to me in the past. I don't, you know, I don't need to go to New Zealand for that because I experienced it anyway. <laughs> so I think as long as you stay creative, but also not see it as a linear experience or one thing, it's not one note, there's a million... That's why it's so weird, isn't it? It's like, well, you're a painter. You can also be a dancer. Because mm. creativity is not one note. No, definitely it's not. A, it's like a tap. It's a thing. It's a button that once you kind of switch it, I think, and you let it flow. God, that's a terrible analogy, but it's true. <laughs> and you really let it flow. And then like it, it kind of, it leads to the next creative venture and the next creative venture, exactly. doesn't it? And it's think, like an energy almost. And it's also, I think, differentiating sometimes between using creativity for work and using creativity for kind of like survival sometimes yeah. and our own self-therapy like I find that like with a lot of creativity it it hits me in my darkest times yeah and, but, but sometimes in my most joyful times are you a heartbreak writer I would probably say so. I think a lot of queer people are. Yeah. I think it's like, there's a lot of, if you listen to especially queer male songwriters, there's always a real melancholy. There's always a fear. There's a, you know, there's no better writer of a sort of melancholic, is that a word? Melancholic? It is now melancholic <laughs> pop song than a queer guy. Yeah. I think it's also, we go through a lot of trauma. And also, should I tell you why it is? Here's the thing. I've had this conversation with someone we miss a generation, we miss a decade, sorry, of our life. Yeah. Whilst yeah, everyone yeah. is in the playground out, like pinching girls' bums, running around playground, flirting, we're trapped in our own personal trauma and hell yeah. of just trying to navigate the fucking playground. Yeah. So those years, which are absolutely so fundamental in the growth of our emotions, mm. we're not outwardly living them, we're inwardly living them. And so we become people that are, you know, when there's like, you're so dramatic, you're so queenie, you're so, 
Yeah, of course I am. <laughs> mm-hmm. You try being that. You try doing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a bravery every day. It's survival every day. Exactly. Yeah. And so that that's also there's again no coincidence why a lot of queer people are do have creative professions mm. and why they a lot of their creativity comes from that time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, being being queer, and this ties in quite nice actually. Being queer, almost, it feels like heroic. Like you have to like be bold. You have to feel so bold and powerful. That's punk. I yeah, think. you do, and it's so queer, queer is more than your sexuality. And you know, it's so weird. So many times, people are like, "What does queer mean to you?" I'm like, Ugh, such an annoying question. It's mm. Because it's really there's no one answer. Yeah, 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 I think queer is a lot of things for a lot of different people. Definitely. But what it is is it's about disrupting the system. Yeah. And I think it's and and reclaiming. And, yeah, and I think that you can also be my best friend Amy, you know, she's married, she has a baby, she's queer. You don't have to be... There's this weird thing where because we were called as young gay people queer as a slur, that you can only be queer if you're a gay man or a... Le- it's absolutely no, not true, I don't think. No. I think that actually the world is all queer, but it's just yet to untap it. Mm. And actually queerdom is the future because it's about looking left and right rather than just straightforward the mm. whole time it's about kind of seeing the world in color rather than black and white it's mm. about painting outside the lines it's about exploring and asking questions it's basically the freedom to explore freedom mm-hmm. bring on the future I yeah say. bring on the queers yeah amen so yeah so i mean nice to tie into you have a podcast. I have a goddamn podcast. Who doesn't? <laughs> well, I've had, this is my second podcast. Actually. Ah. Yeah, because my first one was actually on Radio 1. Oh, my God. Yes, darling. But we, um, but it was on drag, and it was really only planned to be a one. It was called Drag Queens Then. I don't know why I'm talking about it, because we're not promoting that. <laughs> um, but it was only supposed to be one series, and then we did another, and then we ran out of things, really, to talk about. Yeah. And also, like I was talking about before, I am, you can imagine how many times I've talked about drag and drag race and all of those things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I still love them. Mm-hmm. I'm still in it. But I also want to talk about other things. And so through lockdown, um, I've been wanting to do a podcast for ages, but I was a little bit fearful of doing it because I'm like, I've done one, does anyone want it? And then I'm like, fuck that. Yeah. What are you mm-hmm. doing? Do you want to do it? Yes. And then my wonderful friend, who's my producer, who used to be Annie Mac's producer, nice. and she's, you know, radio geek, I'm sure she won't mind me saying that, just said, look, let's do, I'm, I will do a podcast with you, but you do it what, about whatever you want, as long as you believe in it. And I just thought, what really gets me going? And I love having conversations with people, much like we're doing now, mm-hmm. that have navigated their own route of success. Success meaning, I'm not talking monetary success or or um, career success, whatever success means to them. And they've done it in a way that is absolutely on their terms and in their lane. Mm. And the stories behind that is always so interesting and rich and complex and heroic. And so, yeah. And obviously one of my heroes is David Bowie. So we call it We Can Be Heroes. Mm -hmm. And it's been incredible. Just on a personal selfish level, just having those, because we did them really with no pressure. We didn't, we, we wouldn't, we had no plan for it as such. And I, it took me back to sink the pink at the beginning, how we were just doing it because we needed it, right? Mm-hmm. So that's how I feel about this podcast. I'm just doing it because I needed it. I needed to be inspired myself. Yeah. And I thought, God, if I'm, and I'm someone that's, you know, you, you've met me, I'm like glass. It's not only half full, it's bubbling over at all times. If I'm feeling depressed and if I'm feeling low in this pandemic, other people must really bloody struggling. And I yeah, thought, yeah, yeah. If I, and I only want to do something of worth. So if I can at least tell some stories and connect with some people that might help four people, then I feel like that's a great thing to do. Yeah. And it's been great. And, you know, we're six episodes in. We've got six more to go. But I think we're just going to continue. Yeah, I, I love talking. I don't know if I've got yeah. that across on this podcast. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, you've had some amazing guests on, haven't you? We just had Beverly Knight on, actually. Yeah. And I've known Beverly for a long time. Here's the great thing about podcasts, is that you could know someone for 10 years, 
and you'll sit down with them face to face for one hour and because you're not you know you're in jokes or talking about your family or talking about that night you had the other night at the pub no one needs to hear that on the mass level so you find out things mm. on a deeper level exactly and it's so interesting Beverly's been amazing Bimini who I've known a long time was amazing um, it, I found out more about Bimini in that one hour than I've known in 10 years so mm. 5 years however long so yeah I'm loving it and we've got and then we've got people I don't know as well like Rosie Jones who um, is amazing she's, she calls herself a triple threat she's cerebral palsy she's a lesbian she's a woman um, comedian and she gives zero fucks basically <laughs> about anything and she does it all with a giant smile whilst telling jokes like joy she's a, yeah she is she's the embodiment of joy and we've got loads of great people coming up and yeah I'm just loving it I am loving it at the beginning I was I was like getting back on a bike after you've not done it for a while but now I'm just every week excited to do another one so yeah it's great yeah so exciting so yeah anybody listening make sure you check it out we can be heroes yeah available on all platforms but you are a hero and I mean that is like the the best thing is like you're a hero supporting and and having these heroes on and yeah it's a queer it's a queer podcast about joy yeah it really is Um, and also just about themes there's a lot of reoccurring themes identity um being uh, you know like representation uh, uh, there's a lot of stuff that you know not intentional but mm. once you start talking to people you go oh god there's a lot of themes here and all the themes are linked back to things that, that I also have yeah so it's weird when you just do something and you you want it to feel a certain way and you want it to convey a certain kind of energy but you're not sat down brainstorming mm. on a piece of paper you could just go out and do it just, it's yeah, weird that when cool. you get when when the result is exactly how you were feeling on the inside but you actually physically couldn't couldn't convey that mm. you know let the work just do the do the talking yeah yeah sometimes that's the best way to be yeah, isn't it to i think just so like, like even like now it's like it's not like we brainstormed properly before you just talk yeah. and you just like feel that natural human connection which we lacked for a whole year and I missed it terribly yeah I missed it so much honestly I'm so glad that we're even doing this right now in person (laughs) because it's just like not that I wasn't grateful for the fact that I could still connect with people online but yeah there's nothing quite like the energy that you share with somebody in a room I'm someone that I need um yeah technology really does not work for me Mm. I tried I've tried to um be down with Gen Z are we Gen Z? Are you Gen Z? I am the crossover between... Gen Z and what? Gen Z and... Uh, a banana? Yeah. <laughs> like, Gen X? F- no. I mean, Jesus Christ. I don't actually know. I always... Are you an algorithm? <laughs> yeah. Not yet. <laughs> Soon to be. Ready. It's just bonkers. Yeah, it is bonkers. But I, I mean, I feel, I feel like, especially with like, the rise of TikTok in the last year. I just, find, I just find technology so impersonal. I find that, especially when people try to do create, creative practice on... Um, technology you mm. lose you lose context I think I think I, it, it doesn't work for me I find it very hard to be inspired mm. I'm also ADHD so unless you've got me in a room I'm really going to be like you know I don't know I'll be like braiding my dog's hair in another room I go <laughs> yeah. for, I'll go for a toilet you won't see me but she'll have plaits <laughs> so that's nice um, yeah I mean I feel like the the good things that technology does bring is like visibility and I find that that is something that I really appreciate it for is the fact that you can share information, although not always in a positive light, but you can share information really quickly. Yeah. And it means that people who perhaps don't see queer voices, yeah. actually sometimes it has given them the platform out of nowhere. And I think that's pretty amazing. But I also think the good thing about it is is put younger voices yeah. at the forefront and in the words of Whitney, I believe the children are our future. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but genuinely, you know, society, government, and, and the world tries to shut down those young, radical, free-thinking voices a lot of the time. Mm. And it, so it gives a platform for that, um, which does sometimes feel scary to me and does feel a bit like we're living in Black Mirror and like a social experiment. Because mm-hmm. I do feel like there's not a lot of repercussions and a lot of accountability. Yeah. I sound like 
you know, all of a sudden you realise you, you start talking like your mum. But it's an evolving world. It's an evolving world, but is technology moving faster than evolution? Yeah. <laughs> that is the question. Is technology part of the evolution? Of course it is. Mm-hmm. Like I said, you're an algorithm. <laughs> yeah. Um, but we're in it, so whatever. We are indeed. We're in it. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. But yeah, I think reclaiming that year was something that I think TikTok allowed and technology allowed. It was to reclaim space but in an online presence because yeah. like, I've read a lot of really interesting articles about like reclaiming parties virtually or like protests that weren't allowed to take place took place online like an example of that is in like Hong Kong or um yeah I mean there is lots of different ways that like the techno- technological world helped reclaim that space and I guess now we're coming out of that year we're obviously like back to reclaiming those queer spaces and that kind of like especially in London there's been kind of like a history of queer venues being shut down yeah. like us losing those spaces and like now we're reclaiming them kind of like what are your thoughts on that how do we reclaim well, those spaces how do we support those spaces is there any I don't think I've said this a few times but I we've you know Sink the Pink has never been in a traditional queer gay space mm-hmm. we just we just we don't even reclaim we claim mm-hmm. we then, claim spaces yeah yeah you know and I'm a great believer that why what, so it needs to have sort of pink flock wallpaper for it to be a queer venue? Don't know about that. Mm-hmm. I do feel that the, the scene outside of London in regional spaces is really, really so sad and it's struggling and mm-hmm. the venues are shutting down. And so those, I don't know where those queer people are going, you know. But in London, there's too many of us. We are too militant mm. and we are too determined to preserve our freedom and our scene and our community and if that means taking over like okay so in lockdown there's like forest raves and things like that happening in the marshes and stuff albeit illegal but you know what I mean is that the, the, the balance tips when there's so many people and when it's the energy is too peak mm you'll find a space. 100%. You know, there's not as many traditional LGBTQ plus spaces, but there also is no, not as much need for them anymore mm-hmm. in that as a queer person, you can go to a bar in Tottenham and say, hey, I would like to put a club night on. It's going to have drag and it's going to have emotive pop vocals courtesy of me, right? <laughs> and they will probably say yes. Because that's the world we live in. So that is the evolution of our scene. And as long as we go in and we make sure that we claim those, not reclaim, claim them. Mm. You know, I don't always want to live in the underground. I want to be goddamn seen. And I don't only want to just be seen, I want to be celebrated. Exactly. I don't don't feel like a secondary human. Mm. I feel like I'm leading the charge in how this world should run. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't feel ashamed to say that. And I think that our queer community, and especially queer people in London... You try and stop us. Not even the bloody virus would stop us. We'll <laughs> always find spaces and we will always find each other. And it will just, and it will just, it will move and it will navigate and it will transform, but it will always be there. I mean, we're not stopping. I'm not stopping. Mm-hmm. We're going bigger. Yeah, you yeah, take yeah. it away, you just come back bigger. You know, we sold print works out in 28 minutes. Mm. It's huge. It's massive. So people are yeah, hungry. Such, such a good space. Yeah. yeah. We're back, baby. Oh, we are back sack and crack. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, I, I think that's like, yeah, it's a really amazing point is that London has so many queer people. Yeah. We are everywhere and we're thriving. And I think, yeah, but I think also a really important thing is to, to like acknowledge that the loneliness as well of London, like a kind of, you pointed that out, like in dating, in the dating world mm. as well, like as queer people, like we... There is a lot of loneliness. And I think especially coming from like when we're young, we feel very isolated as well. And I think yeah. that really stays with us. And that's why, again, it's like it is so important to have the spaces to be there, like have to sink the pink and like the nights and the, the festivals. And that's why we just kept because the easiest thing would have been through lockdown to just stop putting things on social media because we didn't really have anything going on. There was no events as such. But it's just reminding people we are here. Mm. We're not going anywhere. When this fucking thing ends, we will be back. I think that that's really important is that, 
you can't ever underestimate your position within people's lives. Mm. It may be that someone comes to you once in a year. Well, they came to you once in a year. That's part of their year. They might have met someone or they might have lost their wallet, but they'll remember it. And I think that when you're part of people's... Um, we're part of the cultural identity of London, so mm-hmm. thing. And we have to... If we want London to keep its cultural identity, then we have to keep going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. And so you are. So you shall. And so we will, we will continue to thrive and grow and take over the world. <laughs> so if you had to kind of like give any tips and advice, I mean, we kind of talked about it already. You talked about having the, the inspiration, the joy and the drive. What tips would you give to somebody who might be listening who... Wanting to start a club night. Yeah, or wanting to start a space. Start to... it as a house party. It's a really good way to do it. You know, we didn't realise, but actually in retrospect, myself and Amy, we've been throwing house parties just for us and our friends. So you get to... That is the ultimate safe environment mm. because there's no, there's no rules. Yeah. So um, our friend had a really big house. She was like one of those early bloomers that had a really good job. She had a big house in Shepherd's Bush in Shebu. And we used to go and have these massive parties all the time. And me and Amy would really sort of, what was the first one that we did called? They were such stupid themes. The first one was called Flamenco Flamingo. <laughs> God, it's terrible. <laughs> and the theme was Camp Matador, I think. Something like that, whatever. So, and we got like a salsa teacher to come to the house and teach us all. Like we used to go in, right? <laughs> we did a nude party, we did a hap, you know, we went in and then they started becoming quite the thing. Um, what else would I say? I would say, don't forget the element of play. People, when you, when, think of that time in your life when you felt you're most playful and free. Mm and try and channel that energy and then try and find I wouldn't want to do a club night on my own for sure I think you try and find that friend that makes you laugh the most that's the most ridiculous or that you are both obsessive about vinyl together or you like I don't know Gabba (laughs) just and if you want to start a night for people that play flute in a flute circle find someone that has a beautiful venue that you you know it's literally about is because running a club night really like it's wildish dream stuff it's bonkers really mm-hmm. and especially bonkers to a lot of people start club nights but not a lot of them continue and, and carry on and <clears throat> make an impact and i think it's about making sure you know what your vision is first mm. and if that vision is with somebody else what's your shared vision what do you want mm-hmm. um And then I would just say, go for it and know that in that first year, you'll be knocked over more times than you'll be lifted up. Mm. So use all those knocks as the catalyst for your success. Mm -hmm. Because we were chucked out of venues, we were ripped off, we weren't paid. But every one of those things, especially because we had each other, we're like, okay, right, yeah, you're going to do that to us? Well, we're going to do this. <laughs> and we just get bigger. And I mean, I'm a, a punky brat, so that will always be, if someone doubts me or says you can't do something, I will do it more and, mm. and louder and prouder. As you should. But you know, I would say, to, if someone wants to start a club night, right now, start one. Mm. It's what London needs. I also think that when people have been sat down with ideas at home, I think there'll be a, a, a real... There's a lot of good club nights coming out. Mm. And I think that a lot of really, the there's a lot of really creative, batshit stuff, you know? My friend Josh, I don't know if you know Butt Mitzvah, have you heard of that club? I night? have, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just think that's the most genius thing ever. Like, yeah. sometimes I will just sit here and go, Butt Mitzvah. <laughs> like, I mean, is that not the most amazing thing you've ever heard? <laughs> and then, you know... What's been great about Sink the Pink, actually, is that it's started lots of... It's not started, but it's, I would like to say it's given a booster to lots of other younger queens to, to say, oh, well, they did it. And then they've started their thing. You know, Gracia, she don't know if you know her. She's an amazing queen, body positive runs a night called Thick. Mm-hmm. She's this great body positivity night. It's like a celebration of all bodies. Mm-hmm. And that sounds like it could be sort of earnest and political, but actually it's just joy. Yeah, it's just joy. Um, actually, I think uh, there's so many people doing great stuff. London 
will always be that. I was going to ask actually who, who would you want to showcase and shout about that we might not have heard of? Those are two really, really good ones. Yeah. Um, I think that because a lot of drag queens have had their jobs taken away from them, their gigs taken away from them. I think a lot of them, a lot of them will start club nights. Mm. Um, do you know I had my birthday recently, which is just brilliant, is there's a restaurant called Bistro Tech, I don't know if you know it, it's, it's, like, it's an institution, right, it's been going for years, yeah. now when it first started, it's, a, it's a, just in a shitty street in Bethnal Green, no one knows it's there, unless you know, and it's, you know, Jay-Z and Beyonce go there when they're in town, no lie, but when it first started, it had a theatre, and it's where a lot of drag used to happen, and then it got really successful, and they took that away. Well, now they're going back to that and they've just launched this downstairs bit, which I believe is going to be called The Cockatoo. <laughs> and it's going to be a performance bar. And I think there's going to be great stuff in there. And The Glory. The Glory is and has never been more important. Mm. When I look at London now, I just think, what would we be doing without The Glory? Yeah. Is there a few weeks back? It's yeah. just, and I feel like the stuff they do there, they give people real, they give like young performers and young promoters a chance to really really try things out and be experimental and that is a really hard thing to find someone mm. that will take a risk on you um i believe in london more than i've ever believed in it to be honest and the people that live here and i think that it will it london is hard right you come here you are up against hardship mm. so it builds resilient creatives and i think that the pandemic was hard but you know what it's been hard before and so people will just pull into that resilience and they will keep doing great things. I believe in it. Mm, amazing, amazing. That was the, the next thing I wanted to ask was obviously like the title of this podcast is Burning in Water. I mean, we, again, we talked about a lot of amazing stuff kind of to do with how you got there, the, the struggles, the moments you said like you didn't get paid, you yeah. were kicked out of venues. Like what was the sort of like burning in water moment maybe that in that process you were like ah but then was there like a defining moment you can remember i think there's been a million i've had a, i've lived in a series of chaotic moments it's just <laughs> how you get out we love chaotic energy god i used to i don't anymore <laughs> i try to not even allow it now but i was um one moment god Honestly, there's been so many. I can't even begin to tell you. I think being attacked, we spoke, touched on this before we, before we started recording, but I think sometimes when people um, misinterpret your intention mm. and when things, when you do something that starts very small and it becomes big, when you get attacked um, for whatever reason, it's very hard to, to look at it and be rational and actually take it on board because mm-hmm. you're so connected emotionally that you take it personally and it cuts deep. And so I think, yeah, that's been tough when you feel like you're being attacked. Uh, I think that every single thing that's happened should have happened. Mm. And I think you said before, you said that like even the hardest bits you truly learn, you develop, you... You, you learn all the best bits yeah, from the hard bits. Exactly. And I don't... You fall more times than you And rise. you know that thing of, oh, I'll never do it again. You do do it again, mm. just in a different way. Mm. But create... There is... It's a really hard job to, to be a creative because, you know, you don't check into HR department at the end of the day. There's not... Do, do you know what I mean? It's a really, um, there's, a, there's a very loose structure. Often you make that structure you, yourself or you have to find that structure yourself. Mm-hmm. And there's not anyone that's pushing you along or guiding you. Again, you have to find that yourself. Everyone tries to bleed from, cre- they want to rinse creativity. Mm. You know, in a world that is very corporate, very capitalist and not very creative, mm-hmm. we are people that, you know, the system wants to bleed and drain. Mm-hmm. So that's a tough thing. But it is what it is. Not very philosophical answer, but it that's is what it is. Answer. And I'm sure being an accountant's tough as well, you know? Yeah, exactly. It's all relative, but, right? It's all relative. Yeah. I mean, I've not only been burnt in the water. I've, you know, I'd say I've been set on fire. <laughs> like, we've been in some really tough 
shit financially uh just like this it's been hard it's been really hard but but it's worth it it's more than worth it it's more than worth it i think i don't want an easy fine nice life exactly i want a colorful semi chaotic <laughs> kind of collide kaleidoscope yeah of of a, of a life yeah and that's what i have so that's what you are. That's what Sink the Pink is. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, you have to just accept that and run into it and just go, well, that's another lesson. Um, I'm older and wiser now. Why well, I'm older. I don't know about wiser. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I think all of those trials, those difficulties, they make something beautiful. You've made something beautiful. And it's, oh, it's, thank you, Paul. And, and it's it. celebratory and it is back, baby. So lastly, can you just showcase and remind us of all the important dates coming up things to remember things sure so podcast that comes out every single monday mm. um head to spotify apple uh a cast you know all that all of those ones yes that comes out uh every monday and then the sync the pink tour begins on september the 4th in glasgow the 5th london print works the 12th in Bristol and the 26th in Manchester. Come on, Glenn! <laughs> really great venues and uh, Mighty Hoopla is the 4th of September, but it's sold out, I'm afraid, darling. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, there's loads of other stuff coming soon. Wow, super, super exciting. Yeah, um, yeah so thank you so thank much. Thank you. For... I, I love having a creative conversation. Yeah. It's my favourite. It's been so nice to, yeah, I suppose it's just such an amazing time to talk about this as well because we really are moving into again fingers crossed that's really a really amazing place of celebration and, and rebooting don't yeah. you feel like we've had a time to reflect we've had a time to gather our thoughts hit refresh go, and now it's like life. let's just get back out there and actually do it it's a little scary but like i said run into the fear chase the joy amen and then where can people follow you as well on social on, media uh, at glyn fussell g-l-y-n-f-u-s-s-e-l-l it's a a name not a venereal disease (laughs) (laughs) Um, let's hope we don't catch it actually no you might want to catch it go catch it Um, (laughs) well most of London's called it (laughs) (laughs) well we're going to leave you on that thank you so much thank you babe absolute pleasure hope you enjoyed your tea I absolutely loved it and the cushions that's a top tier peppermint tea that one and peanut come back peanut peanut's trapped in a cupboard somewhere (laughs) with with the little uh, I've heard her clawing at the door actually I should probably get her alright well On that note, lots of love um, and see you next time.